Mental health challenges are often kept in the closet or even swept under the rug. We know they can affect anyone, from adults to children, and the struggle is real. Join us as we talk about relevant topics with mental health experts. Welcome to Equip Online, a place for hope and help. Welcome to Equip Online. I'm Wally. This is my co-host, Brian. We're glad that you're here with us. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the subject of OCD as it relates to our kids and how as parents that we can help them. And so we brought in a guest expert, if you will, today that I'm going to let Brian introduce for us. Thanks, Wally. So, yeah, we're joined by Joy Ryan today. So, Joy, really glad that uh, you were able to make it and join us. And just to share a little bit about her. So, Joy is an LPC or licensed professional counselor and a registered play therapist. Um, she is the co-owner and professional counselor at Connect Psychological Services here in the Woodlands area. Um, she holds a master's degree in counseling from Sam Houston State University. Is that the Bearcats? They are the Bearcats. The Bearcats. Yes. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's where my dad um, went. I'm still not sure what a Bearcat is, but I'm we'll say that either. for another time. I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then also an additional master's uh, degree in Christian education from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is also where I went to school. So we don't even have a mascot. We need a you're watching this from southwestern <laughs> let's let's get a mascot please um and then uh you previously have experience working with uh, and providing pastoral care for preteens and teens and youth ministry and then mm -hmm. also you've got counseling experience with school-aged children adolescents and families and then you've also received training in pediatric obsessive compulsive disorder ocd um through the international ocd foundation and so we're excited to really, uh, there's a lot we could talk about with you, Joy, um, and maybe we'll have to have you come back at some point. <laughs> but today we thought, why not just just really talk about OCD? Um, because I feel like OCD is one of those um, areas where there a lot of people know about it, a lot of people have heard about it, um, but there's still a lot of confusion. I think we make jokes about it. Oh, I must have OCD. And, and we just, I think it'd be great just to, you know, even as a parent, as we observe our kids, like, okay, is this normal behavior? Is this sort of something I should be concerned about? I mean, recently I've even had conversations with young parents right. as they look at their kids. And so, um, and I, you know, and I think as we'll get into, um, it can have a lot of variance in the levels of severity. Like mm -hmm. it can be a really, really debilitating thing, or there's, it has an impact in minor ways, but we can really learn right. about it. So. Right. Um, hey, before we jump into that, so anything else you want to share about yourself, Joy? Or um, Well, I um, love working in our practice, but I do it part-time because I have three kids. I have a 14-year-old, an almost 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old, and they keep me busy. Um, sports, and I'm a, I'm a taxi when yes. I'm not <laughs> working. There you go. So that's a good so, way to describe your job. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's... That's awesome. Well, I love the fact that, you know, you're not just a professional in learning this, but you're also a mom and you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to live this out right. in your own household, right? Yeah. Which can be challenging like mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. um, well, awesome. Well, I'm excited to jump into our conversation. Yeah. And Wally, you want to kick us yeah. off a little bit as so we think about it? We've thrown the term out there, Joy. What is OCD? What is it? What is it not? Can you help us with that? Absolutely. So I think it's important to understand that um, OCD has two parts to it. Um, there's the first part is the obsessions. The obsessions are the intrusive, unwanted. It could be a 
unwanted thoughts. It could be an urge. It, you know, anything that causes mentally that causes distress, a, a, a great amount of distress. And um, we have, we might have obsessions from time to time. Everybody does. But what the difference is, is there is that second piece, which is the compulsion piece. Um, compulsions, um, also called rituals, are the things that a person has to do in order to help ease that distress that they're feeling by the obsession. And so it's a two-part thing. That's what gives the person a diagnosis of OCD. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So really there's, if you only have just the mental part, you know, because like, you know, sometimes we probably, maybe some of us are this way. We know somebody that's maybe obsessive about Right. organizing, yeah. you know, every sock in their sock drawer a certain way and right. their pantry has to be exactly right. Mm -hmm. You know, we often were like, oh, you must be OCD. You know, but it doesn't necessarily, that could just be their personality. Right. It's the compulsion part of it. Right. That, you know, and I think the word compulsion has a sense of you feel like you have to do this mm -hmm. in order to ease this somehow. Yes. Like you, you feel like you don't even have a choice. Like right. I have to do these behaviors. And, and, and kids with OCD, people with OCD, that is, they know logically that this doesn't make sense they they can tell you it doesn't make sense what i'm doing but i have to do it because that's the only way i feel better and so um so they they have a they know hey this is this is not how it's supposed to be but i don't know I, i've got to do it i've got to do it to because you know whatever this thought is that's kind of driving it is so distressing that if i don't do it i'm not ever going to get relief and so yeah so the second half, the action part of it, that's really a coping mechanism that mm -hmm. they're using to, I guess, eliminate stress or anxiety. Right. But but what we find is that when they are doing these, it only, it's not, it, it's temporarily relieving the stress or anxiety, mm -hmm. but it's not permanently getting mm -hmm. rid of it because what they'll find is that obsession comes back. You know, and and for everyone, it's it's differing time frames, right? So um, there might be someone that is constantly bombarded all the time, and so m most of their day is spent. They have the obsessions, and they're doing the compulsions, so they get nothing done during the day. That's a very very severe case. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, someone that has a morning routine that has to be done. That leaves my stress for the day until I run into a trigger or something that happens that causes that to flare back up, and then I have to go through my steps again. Mm -hmm. okay. And so, okay. um, so yeah, so the so yes, in their mind, I have to do this to relieve the anxiety, but that's that's the yucky part of the disease, right? Because it never really eliminates it. So, are there are there different types of OCD, mm -hmm. or there different are in different manifestations of right. that? So there are there are, there are several subtypes. So the most common that people that like you might see that portrayed on TV shows or movies or things like that is contamination or germs. Right, the person who is afraid um, if I touch this or that, or if I sit here, or if I do, I'm gonna be I'm gonna get sick. I'm gonna get somebody else sick. That so that's we had the compulsion to wash and to clean and to mm -hmm. do. Um, so there's contamination. Um, also in that is discuss OCD. So those people just don't want to be dirty. They can't really 
tell you, this is my thought. This is what, this is my obsession. They're just like, I just don't like it, you know? So, but, but that is a form of OCD because they have certain things that they're doing that are eliminating the, the relieving the anxiety that they feel. So contamination germs, there's um, what we call scrupulosity. Wow, that's a mouthful. It is. <laughs> and this one I feel like is the hardest one because mm. a lot of times people with scrupulosity are afraid. Um, it's more of the mental compulsions. They're afraid that they're offending God. They're mm. afraid that they're going to commit blasphemy, that somehow they're doing morality um, plays a part in that. And so they're doing, you know, they might obsessively be quoting or compulsively be quoting scripture mm, or wow. prayer and it's not a part of their christian faith it's i've got to do this because i might offend god right mm, and so mm. so there's that um there's also um another subtype is the harmful um um intrusive thoughts um so people i can't be around a knife because i'm afraid that i'm going to hurt myself or i can't mm. be i can't you know get rid of the knives because i might hurt someone else so they have these thoughts that are constantly plaguing them right, that they're right. that they're gonna harm someone um counting and checking is another subtype so um i've worked with a clients who can't go out a different door that they came in they have to retrace so if i came in the store i've got to go back out the store if i went if i did this routine then i've got to redo it on the back so a lot you know so you can imagine they're spending all their time walking, you know, to make sure it's right. Yeah, it, it would feel like, you know, you're like enslaved almost. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah. you're just you're just trapped in this, you know, and you, I could just feel, again, I just, the word freedom comes out. Like mm -hmm. you don't have the freedom like a no. normal person, you know, is able mm -hmm. to just to go about your day. You feel like you have to do all right. these things right. to be okay. Because I think that's the difference, right? Because we all have these thoughts, these unwanted thoughts that come in our mind. But the difference is we have them and we move on. We move on about yeah. our day. We don't, they don't, they don't stop us. They don't cause us pause. We don't, yeah. we just kind of like, whatever, you know, and we move on. Right. And so with someone with OCD, they can't, mm. they can't move on and they have to do this compulsion mm. in order to feel better. Right. Right. But it's temporary. So are all baseball players have a mild form of OCD with all their superstitions before they play a game? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's you a hear good, a lot of baseball players do, like, I've got to do ways. this. I've got to do exactly do this. So, you know, I've got to yes. do this with my, you know, all these things. Yeah. So maybe there's some borderline type right, things or something in there. Right, but I would wonder, does that translate outside the field, right? Are they yeah. so doing they that way? To, That's right, true. Right. Yeah. So it's it's kind of in a bubble okay gotcha. of things so you truly know. it's going to affect all areas of life right. yeah. if you have yeah yeah, yeah. gotcha gotcha yeah. interesting now that's uh you know the way you're describing it um you know i'm hearing some types of ocd you get temporary relief if you do your kind of routine mm -hmm. but of course it doesn't fully alleviate it comes no. right back again mm -hmm. But then when you described the uh, scrupulosity yeah whew, i got that right awesome you did like a lot of syllables. Um, if you do that, it almost feels like it's even hard to find temporary relief, you mm -hmm. know, because you just feel like you're being attacked by these thoughts right. all the time. And, and you know, so right. I, I imagine obviously there's probably a host of different ways that you treat different types of OCD. And so 
um, I love to kind of hear, you know, what do you do to treat these? Because it's not just, oh, it's just in this one little box and bam, there you go. Okay. Uh, what what yeah. are some of the ways that you treat OCD? I well, guess? kind of the, I guess, what they call the gold standard of care in the OCD world as far as treatment goes um, is um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And kind of a subset of cognitive behavioral therapy is um, what they call expose, exposure response prevention. It's a mouthful. I have to say it very slowly. <laughs> There'll be a so, test after right, this. So, like, yeah, no. all my syllables get. <laughs> um, so ERP for short. Okay. And so ERP sometimes coupled with medication and SSRI um, can help. Not all clients and and patients that deal with OCD need the help, medicine help. It's okay. just that that that's kind of an individual decision between them, their doctor and them and their the counselor they're working with. It's kind of collaborative and and they decide. But yeah. kind of the gold standard of treatment is um, ERP, exposure response prevention. And that's a subset of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is pretty common, I right. think. Right. Out there. So, yeah. 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 So what happens with ERP is um, what we do is we create kind of what we call a fear hierarchy. So hmm. I work with a client and I say, okay, based on um, you wanting to, you know, feeling unclean, like you're going to get sick. Let's talk about all the things that, you know, how being able to go to a public restroom, being able to, you know, like what kind of anxieties does that cause you? And they give me a, a, a from one to 10, they tell me, mm-hmm. oh, that's a 10, you know, mm-hmm. um, being able to share a, a seat with, you know, someone that you don't know or a family member or something like that, like anything. And so we start, we start making our list. Hmm. And so the exposure part, I tell this is kind of how it explains exposure to kids. I'm like, if you've ever watched a scary movie, I was like, have you ever seen a scary movie? And they're like, yeah. And I said, the first time you watched it was really scary, wasn't it? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, but say I told you to watch it 15 more times, would it be scary? And they're like, no. And I was like, exactly. You become, you start knowing, oh, right there. I can, oh, that music, you know, you know, it's not. And so then it becomes not scary anymore. So that's exactly what exposures (laughs) do. Interesting. Is they, we put ourselves in the situation that causes us anxiety based on our list. Okay. And I don't Mm. start with 10. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I start somewhere with like a four. Like a three or four. Yeah. Right. A three or four Uh to to have some success. And then we, we do exposures and exposures should be done daily. And typically, because I work with kids, I bring the parent in and the parent is a part of this process. The parent helps create the list. The parent understands what the exposures are. So, for instance, I worked with someone who was uh, afraid of needles and that was one he was having a hard time. And and I do exposure with all types of anxieties and phobias as well. (laughs) But to kind of give you kind of so first of all, on his list was um talking about getting a shot that was that was on his list so every day I would have mom or dad talk about getting a shot like right next it was get a syringe from H-E-B like not H-E-B um, Amazon you know that doesn't have a needle on it and just now it now it sits with you at the dinner table how much anxiety does that you know and mm-hmm. so he's mm-hmm. systematically like wow 
And so he got all the way to mom could put alcohol on his arm, like all, all the things mm. that you would do when right about to get a shot. And so, and that's kind of what we do. So we just kind of work our way up. So we have success with it. We go to the, okay. I'm like, are you ready for the next one? And then we talk about that. Wow. So. Wow. That's interesting. I even think about my, uh, I've got a um, seven-year-old and we, he likes to go to Rainforest Cafe, mm -hmm. but you know, when we first would start going, you have all the animatronics, yes. like the grill. <laughs> and at first it totally freaked him out. Oh, oh, yeah. But now when we go, he immediately, he's like, those are fake. That's not real. That's fake. Those are fake. You know, he, yeah. he's kind of like he's telling himself, himself right? and now he's like, uh -huh. I know they're not real and I'm scared right now, but that's a fake. That's not real. Yeah. So it almost reminds me a little yes. bit of like, you know, getting more exposure. And now he's totally fine. Right. He going can go there. and sit and knows that. <laughs> right. right. Versus his first time. Yeah. And so yeah, that's exactly that's kind of very, I guess, in a, the best way I can kind of explain ERP to mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's, I've had such great success with it. And it is the gold standard for treatment. Um, you look on anybody's literature, anybody that's kind of in the field of OCD right now, and they're talking about ERP. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's kind of what they use um, to, to treat their clients as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, awesome. And I love it because you can be creative. So, cause I'm like, so what about if, da, 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 you yeah. know, and, and they're like, oh. You know, so we just we really get creative with because That's I want cool. them to think about every way. How can I expose myself to this to, you know? Yeah, so. that's why. And it sounds like that is even something that maybe if you have a child with phobias mm -hmm. or maybe not a super severe case of that's OCD, but even a parent could similarly use mm -hmm. that type of yeah. strategy to kind of help their kids get over fears or, mm -hmm. or different things, too. So that's that is awesome. Well, you know, kind of a follow up to that, too. What would you say? What are some uh, resources available yeah. for someone impacted by OCD? Or if you have a family member, what would you, what would you there say? There are a lot of great things out there. First of all, um, the International OCD Foundation is not just for mental health professionals. Hmm. That is also designed for families, for people that are impacted by OCD. They have a ton of resources. They have a ton of, like... Now, everything's virtual. They have a ton of we um, webinars and things like that that people can watch. Mm -hmm. Their conference this year, and their conference has always been, um, it's for people impacted by OCD. It's for family members that have someone impacted by OCD. And it's for professionals who work with individuals with OCD. So it's kind of a okay. threefold thing, which is kind of cool. Um, and this year it's all online. You can literally sit from the comfort of your home and you can decide what sessions that you want to attend and things like that. So okay. that's a great resource right. because you have the leading people in the field of OCD talking and do, you know, kind of providing, um, um, their insight and information and things like that. So that's also great. Also, if you are needing to find someone to help right? They have a resource that you can find a therapist that they've kind of, um, they've, they've kind of vetted in a sense um, of, for instance, I've done their behavioral um, therapy institute, like where I've solely, I did an intensive for a weekend on pediatric OCD. And then, um, and then I followed up with consultation calls with one of my, the professors of that weekend that we continued to do case consultation. Um, and so um, 
so I've been through all that. So they know. So I'm a part of that resource, right? That you can find someone in your area, but it's for anyone, anywhere, in any, you know. So that's that's the great thing. Um, also, another great resource here in Houston that kind of started here in Houston is the Peace of Mind uh, Foundation. Um, it's a it's a nonprofit. Again, it is solely for the um, education and advocacy of of people with OCD or uh, family members that have members that are struggling with OCD. So there's just there is a lot of great great resources out there that just the click you know we're all on the all on the internet or on our phones or yeah. iPads or anything yeah. and so there's just it's right there for people to to be able to access so that's awesome that's you know yeah. you mentioned too the um again the one with the big words scrupulosity or whatever yes. yeah and so with that one um is there a different type of treatment or resource that's helpful again if it's more in your thoughts and all that like how you really so, deal that um so typically someone with not I won't say typically because that's I'm not I don't want to generalize it. Yeah. But in my um in my work with it, mm -hmm. I'll say, um, those people will refrain from um watching any TV. They be, for fear they might see something that will cause hmm. them to have to um confess or, you know, ask for forgiveness you know, things okay. like that. So um, they have trouble driving even down the highway because what if I see a billboard that then, wow. right? And so um, so a lot of the, those exposures are um, aimed at exposing myself to those things too okay. and then helping, helping to reframe some of the some of the mental compulsions that I'm doing. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So it still works with that mm -hmm. type of it does. OCD it as does. well. It does. It's okay. just a little bit gotcha. harder. You work a little bit harder. Okay. Both both client and clinician have to work a little bit harder to yeah. kind of really make sure that we're we're getting exactly, you know, because I have trouble saying to someone, "Don't pray," then just don't pray, right? Because I'm like I'm a person of faith, so I'm like. Yeah, I, and that's that's kind of my lifeline too. So it, but I also want to tease out what's OCD and what's your walk, like your, yeah, you know, distinguishing those. right, and yeah. helping them to kind of break that out. Yeah, that those are two different things. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Joy, we're so thankful for people like you that just invest so much into understanding the different components. Because mm -hmm. uh, part of our desire for Equip is to. Uh, bring these different topics into light mm -hmm. so that there's a sense of normalcy in the conversation about it and even a sense of a resource to be able to get help. Yeah. You know, so as part of while you're talking, I was thinking about my son when he was three years old. It wasn't OCD, but he had this recurring nightmare. Mm -hmm. And so we took him to a counselor and she was just able to ask him a few questions that helped him get over that. And after that session, he next time that uh, thing confronted him in a nightmare, he was able to deal with it and it didn't create that anymore. So mm -hmm. we were just uh, so thankful for people like yourself who invest in that. And so one of the questions that we would have as a follow-up would be, what are the levels uh, of intervention mm -hmm. that uh, someone with OCD can seek? So there are several levels and it's really dependent upon how severe, how debil debilitating 
um, the OCD is for um, that particular person. So typically everyone starts out most normally going to a therapist, going to a counselor um, for their OCD. But if they, and I've had these in my practice before, if they require more intensive work, I don't have that in my schedule to be able Mm -hmm. to see someone two or three or four times a week. So, um, there's a great, um, uh, McLean OCD Institute here in Houston, um, that they can go and, um, they do, um, intensive outpatient, meaning the person would go two or three, four times a week. They do a partial hospitalization. They do, um, they do inpatient, um, if you need to go, you know, just to be monitored. Um, and so there's, there's all levels of care for someone. And we live in a great community in Houston that has all those things right here. Um, and so that's, but that's where we start. And I think that's a just, just um, kind of working with, um, a cl- working with a counselor and kind of them really understanding what's going on. And, is it beyond the scope of what I'm able to do? That's when you would talk about other levels. So really the counselor is kind of your gatekeeper to help you know at what level that you need if you're struggling with it. If your child, and we're, we're talking about all ages here, but yeah. we're really focusing on children mm-hmm. if your child's struggling with mm-hmm. that. Yes. Yeah. And so um, that's, for that's the first and foremost thing that I kind of look at, like how and there there are assessments that we can do that are free um, online that I typically do with um, kids and adolescents and even adults that I work with with OCD to kind of give me an idea of how how intense and how um, these obsessions that you're having, how many times a day, hours. We kind of go through this questionnaire and then we talk about their compulsions and how like how much in a day are you doing are you doing these rituals and things like that and so it gives me a really good understanding of okay do i have in the time that we're going to have in my office weekly is that going to be enough to really be able to get some relief because that's what you're wanting mm-hmm. you're wanting them to have some relief like right. it's possible it is possible to you know live with this and, you know, and to be able to have the skill to, to deal with it. Right. Right. So as a parent, um, I may be suspecting something. I may not be exactly sure what's going on with my child. How do I recognize the onset? Is there an onset? What does that look like for me to say, you know what, it's probably time for us to, to go to a counselor. Mm -hmm. Can you help us with that? Yeah. I think that anything that, um, so for kids, it, obviously, it's a little bit harder because they can't articulate really, right? Right. The the words necessarily are they're they're um, developmentally their brains haven't developed in a, in a way to be able to even articulate what they're thinking, right? Having thoughts about what you're thinking, kind of thing. So, um, so for a parent, I just think that you, how are they um, with change with change in routine? Are they able to adapt and be flexible pretty quickly, or is it something that they freeze and they they have the they don't have the inability to to move forward and i think so for for instance um you know they are having a hard time separating whether it be school or for soccer practice or you know things like that like it, it's more it's it's like this is starting to impact us as a family 
right? And so I think that's probably the biggest indicator for for families when they feel like, okay, this is beyond, this is just kind of beyond a worry or something like that that we can deal with. We need some kind of outside help. Because as parents, being one too, um, you know, you're just so emotionally connected. Right. Right. And so hard to be objective to step outside to go kind of what's really going on here. And so that's what's great about having kind of a third party being able to kind of see. Um, with OCD, and something I didn't even bring up is, so when you start work, especially with kids, because that's typically what I work with, especially with kids, you really start to sing as they're talking about their, the things that they're thinking about, their obsessions and, and, and what I have to do. And typically we start with what are you doing first? And then why, why do you think you're washing your hands? Yeah, start times with the day. action right? the yeah. compulsion part. Well, yeah. well, and, you know, so then it kind of, well, I might get sick, mm, you know. Right. Right. So as you're working with kids, you start to see how is the parent accommodating the OCD? And parents don't realize hmm. that they are a part of it, not even unbeknownst to them, not realizing that, you know, so if a child needs reassurance and they're constantly needing reassurance and they're constantly needing and the parents given, oh, you're fine. You're not sick. You're okay. Hmm. Right. Hmm. That is, that's continuing the OCD cycle. Right. Okay. And so it, so also I'm having to look, I'm having to work with parents to go, okay, how are you inadvertently? Like, this is no fault of yours, but how, how is it that we get you to kind of pull back your, you know, the accommodation so that you're not inadvertently kind of keeping this going? Yeah. And so kids don't like that a whole lot because a lot of times they rely on that parent right. to yeah. make me feel better. Right. And you, you have your to, presence like, makes me feel better, or your words help me feel better, and yeah. I have to go. Oh no! You have we to don't, wean them off that do. a little bit. Yeah, yes. and that it's okay. You're going to be fine You're without be fine. hearing this a right. hundred times a day. You're mm-hmm. going to be okay. You're yeah. going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that that's another kind of um, layer to it as well in treating um, OCD is really now as adults that's different. Obviously, yeah. I don't need you know someone else, and they can pretty much can articulate it and know. And they can even say, well, I do this. I, you know, you know, I call this person or I talk to this, you know, they can kind of identify where their accommodation comes from. But kids have a harder time because as soon as I start talking about that, the kid knows, oh, gosh, she's going to (laughs) take my security blanket. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and so, and and we do that systematically. Don't yank it from them, you know, but so if you've asked mom 10 times a day, I'm just going to tell mom to answer you eight. Right. Hmm. Like, Hmm. and so we kind of work. So we're all working together to kind to to figure out what's going to be, what's going to work the best. Seems like that family component, right? It is. is. It's huge. And that's what we do in our practice anyway. We're huge collaboration. We don't want to see a kid in isolation. We want, the family to be a part of it. And right. with OCD, it's so important because there's so many things happening. And like I said, the kid developmentally is not at a place that they can really understand like what is happening in my brain and why is it, you know, doing that and why am I doing this? And so it's really helpful to have that parent who lives it every day with them in there to kind of help with the process. Well, good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, we we really appreciate it. Um, again, I, I love just creating this format mm-hmm. that we can uh, talk about things that are out there that are, um, but we we really 
have a lot of confusion and um, yeah. giving parents guidance too. I think, uh, you know, even your idea about, you know, even if it's just, you know, do a little assessment, you know, and, and because I think sometimes even in, in the counseling world, sometimes I think parents are resistant for a lot of reasons, but even one of them might be the financial side of it. Right. They're just like, well, we can't afford it and right. all that. But even just to do a free assessment can at least give you a little bit of an idea on, mm-hmm. okay, really low. This is a, we're almost in the normal level, but right. we can learn some things to help a little right. bit here or, okay, no, we really do have something that exactly. they would benefit from mm-hmm. getting some, some counsel and some help. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a great word. And again, for parents, you know, that we're obviously uh, the ones that are observing these things, especially right. for the younger yeah, kids yeah. that don't have the ability to articulate it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, hey, um, we're going to go ahead and kind of kind of wrap up a little bit here. But okay. Joy, if um, this has been such a great conversation and I know that Again, the purpose of these conversations mm-hmm. is we're not going to exhaustively capture everything <laughs> in, a, in a short conversation. No. But, you know, if people are watching. They're like, you know what? I'd love to really, you know, talked about some of the resources and we'll list those. But um, what's the best way if somebody wanted to learn more, connect with you? Okay. What would be the best way for them to do um, that? Well, the best way to, to connect with me um, is through our website, www.connectps.org. Okay. Um, they can also call our main number. Um, it's 832-534-3993. And they can speak with the admin and she can give them all the information needed um, that they needed to know. But yeah, yeah. that's, 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 awesome. those are the two probably easiest and quickest ways yeah. uh, to yeah. connect um, with awesome. me. For awesome. Sure. Perfect. And uh, just, you know, like in, in a, a last minute here is there a a recap is there something that we didn't get to that you definitely want to throw in there but is there maybe a final challenge uh, anything that you'd want as we wrap up for Even us to think about emphasize yeah. yeah. i would just say that um the one thing that i love about working with ocd um is the ability just to we we might do something and it's like ah that didn't really we have the opportunity to kind of shift and okay we try that exposure that really didn't do anything let's do something else so it's it's not like this this is the way you do it and this is the only way you do it and if you don't do it this way then it won't work no there's just so much room for creativity and thinking outside the box and and um i use exposures a lot not even i work with a lot of anxiety like a lot yeah. that's a, a, a big part of my practice right now and and anytime I can use exposures, I try to, because I think there, there are ways just to understand anxiety and just putting ourselves in that thing that causes anxiety helps us to relieve it. And That's so, awesome. yeah. yeah, and it kind of, you know, at first parents are like, you're going to do what? You're going to make them <laughs> yeah. anxious? And it I'm like, but it's good. At, it does sound right. counterintuitive, yeah, but, but, yeah. It, um, yeah. but it works. Right. It really right. works. It really brings freedom. I mean, yeah. I can just see it setting people free. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. what I'm hearing you say, too, that I think is important in all of these discussions that we look at is it's a process. It's a process. It's yeah. not one thing. Okay, if you'll just do this right. and tomorrow and no it all goes away. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. magic thing. No magic. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, I would say, um, you know, it, it's a process. It's a process of being with the right fit with mm-hmm. the right counselor, you know, yeah. all those things. And, and I know that sometimes I'm not the right fit for people and that's okay because there's a lot of people out there that can be yeah. and that yeah. will be. So. Absolutely. That's awesome. 
Well, hey, we want to thank all of you for joining us today. And uh, again, just been a great conversation to have. And um, the Equip Online series is a partnership between Stonebridge Church and Mosaics of Mercy. Uh, Mosaics of Mercy is a nonprofit here in Montgomery County, and their desire is to be a mental resource hub. And so if a next step maybe for you is to investigate what are some resources out there, what are some support groups, Mosaics of Mercy is a great place to go and check out their website. So we'll have information about them and then other helpful resources on our Equip Online website. Encourage you to check that out. Um, but uh, as always, you know, our desire is that you would walk in the fullness of life that you've been created for. God bless you. Hey, thanks so much for watching. We're really passionate about shedding light on mental health. If you found this discussion helpful or beneficial, be sure to like and share the video. If you wanna see more, be sure to subscribe and don't forget to ding that notification bell so you know when we release a new episode. We'll see you next time.